the Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie. Tommy Walsh has the ball. Kilkenny have the trophy. It's Kilkenny who are the All-Ireland champions for 2009. They are the first team to do four in a row since the 1940s. How pleasant. It's broken away. Limerick have it. Limerick are coming away with it. Yeah! Oh, you buy Limerick have beaten Galway. Limerick have been accepted into the hurling gates of heaven for the first time since 1973. We are the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Champions. Oh my God, every single one of them, a credit to their counties, a credit to the fellas that have gone before them, and a credit to the die-hard supporters. There's flares going off up in the Devon in now, not a mind in 16. Just look at that. Limerick, your my lady is ringing out over Crop Park. Did we think we'd see the day? We've had tough times, but a credit to every one of these fellas. What a performance. Dan Morrissey, who comes out covering for Mike Kitty. Hey, the final whistle is gone, and Limerick have won the Liam McCarthy Cup 2020 All Ireland Champions as the full and rightly extended panel strong onto the pitch what a performance that is as professional a performance as it gets magical to watch Limerick the All-Ireland Champions for the second time in three seasons breathe it in yeah definitely it's uh, it's unbelievable the intensity that this has started at Limerick obviously getting a good start Sofri there and Cork come into it but Limerick on the attack now down Limerick on the attack as well is that man Keane Lynch again throws it back up and catch it hit towards Garrow Hegarty shot in the goal get in Garrow Hegarty buries the ball to the back of the net the first green flag in the All-Ireland final two minutes in 1-1 to get into the hands of Aaron Galan goal chance Barry to the back of the net by Aaron Galland. The quick puck out once more for Nicky Quaid. He's catching us all out. What a goal, James Ryan, from Aaron Galland. Yeah, and again, it just comes down to decision making. Limerick are just that bit slicker there. And now he takes the ball on the jersey being pulled. Oh, Gets oh, a hand pass in towards Gerald Hegarty on the 21 yard line. Has a man inside. Steps Why? two ways. Barry's it. Oh, Gerald Hegarty with the second goal for him. The third for Limerick. They're 13 points here. What a goal by Gerald Hegarty. What play by Keane. And the referee. Oh, no, that's it. Fights that's it. it. Limerick are the All Ireland champions. Back to back for the first time ever. Yeah, their 10th title, their perfect 10. Incredible scenes here in Cole Park. 332 to 1. To Kilkenny line ball. Here's the sideline cut. It's taken. It's oh, over. Yes! Oh, one of the great, one of the greatest wins of all time. Limerick. Oh, we've beaten everybody. We've beaten everybody for the last few years. It's a win for Limerick. The three in a row has been completed by John Kiley's remarkable, remarkable bunch of hurlers here at Cork Park in front of a full house. This is the greatest day of all. 
and pass away. What's the referee doing, Tony oh. Kelly? Barreled out of it oh by Peter Casey. And the referee says, play on. The ball's on the ground. The clock is over. The referee's still watching on. Care on the ground. Don't lose possession. English has it. Limerick now fouling. The pair ends up on the ground. The referee oh, no, no. blows it for Limerick. <laughs> and Limerick are Munster <laughs> champions. Five times in a row. It's over. And Galway's interest is over. But Limerick... Long may it continue. Limerick are through to yet another All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship Final. It will be our 21st ever appearance in the final as Limerick look to create history. Good man, Declan Han. Good man. What a moment. Yeah, what a moment and uh, how many great moments we've had over the last number of years. You're very welcome along to the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick. Luke Liddy and James Ryan here with you to look ahead to Sunday's All-Ireland Final between Limerick and Kilkenny. Jim Bob, I'm a bit under the weather coming into this one. Not the right time to be sick. How are you feeling though? You're fit and raring to go. Yeah, look, you kind of do everything kind of wrong. I hope to be sick on maybe Monday and you're doing it before the match and the whole of Limerick are hoping to be a little bit sick maybe after it and hopefully that's sick celebrating that sick that uh, for the result of the game. But um, no, I sure look, I'm feeling like everybody else. I think uh, I think uh, as the days build on, as Sunday gets closer, it's uh, it's like nearly playing yourself. You're, you're confident at the, uh, the start of the week and then as the week goes on you're getting a bit tense and then your people are saying oh Kilkenny won't be easily beat and you're getting a bit nervous and look it all comes to to, um, to building up to be a great uh, spectacle on Sunday it's uh, they can't blame the podcast anyway Luke for not getting to an All-Ireland final after being three in a row so we're lucky there they can't the omen didn't dare we got to the All-Ireland final <laughs> we started the pod this year and we're going for four in a row so look all the omens are good um, two teams have to come and off two good wins in the semi-finals both played out kind of maybe differently Galway kind of died away and um, Kilkenny and Clare was what it was Clare probably could have won it they conceded a mistake through great work right from Kilkenny and Kilkenny kind of found a second wind and um, it, it kind of nearly builds a bit of interest to Sunday as well the fact that Kilkenny nearly had to go all out for the 70 minutes Limerick could have nearly pulled up with it with a few minutes to go in the second half in the last quarter they could have pulled up so look it, it's it's there we say it's the two best teams in the country and have been for the last couple of years. Have Kilkenny three or four Linsters in a row one. Limerick have uh, five Munsters in a row one. So I think there's no argument the fact that it's the two most uh, consistent teams and uh, they're the two best teams in Ireland playing against each other in, in a second All-Ireland final. So uh, it's mouthwatering stuff when you look at the stats, the facts and, and the way both teams are playing. You mentioned obviously the semi-finals, Limerick with that nine-point victory and Kilkenny getting over the line. Owen Murphy's save, absolutely crucial. Conor Fogarty's block down, I think, crucial as well. And the fact that that it could possibly have a, a bearing on the final, I suppose, it's just the fact that Kilkenny needed to leave it all out in the field right up to the final whistle. Whereas Limerick, not to say they coasted, but you can take the foot off the pedal slightly and, and empty the bench that bit more, I suppose, from a, from a Limerick point of view. Maybe they're a bit fresher. Yeah, um, look, I suppose this is why we love the new championship and this is why we love sport. Everyone has a different view and a perception. And my perception on the whole Galway-Kilkenny thing is I think the Leinster championship is actually going to be a little bit detrimental to them unless um, Dublin and Wexford can be more consistent in it. Antrim are doing their part and whatever other teams are in it. But um, the fact that they nearly from this, the first round of the Leinster championship, you could nearly tell it was going to be a Kilkenny-Galway final. 
people were talking about Wexford Dublin, but nearly after the first round, um, uh, you could tell that Kilkenny and Galway were by far two best teams. They knew it themselves. Didn't they get to the Linster final and know they're still in the championship and they play out a Linster final to try and up the intensity a bit, but it's very hard just to reach. You can't just turn it on. Um, Limerick and Kilkenny haven't just started training last week for the All-Ireland Finals. There's a lot of work, a lot of preparation that goes into this. Throughout the league, teams are doing different things, different periodizations, different shrinking conditions, different everything, right? But at the end of the day, to me, about the All-Ireland semi-finals, I thought Galway died away in the second half. I think it was from a lack of intensity all year, or, or more so, look at the level of intensity that Limerick had in every one of their Munster Championship games. Look at uh, every single day in Munster you have to perform. Like Tipperary took their eye off the ball or underperformed against Waterford and it was nearly to their detriment as the year went on. They couldn't nearly find that intensity again. So Galway died away in the second half, there's no doubt about it. They, they just they wilt, completely wilted. Now, this is the most interesting thing about Sunday. Kilkenny won't die. Whatever happens, they won't die away. I was actually having a conversation with people and I said, when did Kilkenny ever get you kind of nearly embarrassed, half embarrassed in the All-Ireland final? And the answer, there was nearly one answer, the only one that I'd forgot about actually, someone said, the year Richie Hogan got sent off, Tipperary actually ended up beating him by nine plus points or whatever. But there were men, there were men down and, and they were up against it. They were nearly Tipper favourites and going very well going into that match anyway. But Kilkenny will not die away on Sunday. In fact, they could do quite the opposite because they just have that work rate desire all them kind of traits about him the whole time. But Galway and Kilkenny, so Kilkenny actually nearly died away in the second half, but when Kilkenny, true work rate, got the goal, um, people say like it was a mistake out of clear defence, and obviously it was. Uh, it's amazing we talk about these shot puck outs and the whole lot, and Galway should have went short, I thought, in the second half, and then they didn't. Clare goes short, then they lose the ball. Oh, uh, they should have cleared the lines, the worst thing. So we're all living in hindsight and the whole lot, but Clare probably done the right thing. Roy Hesh probably... Uh, I know it's easy to look back and I definitely should have got rid of the ball earlier. Uh, everyone in the full back line or anywhere around the field, you know you don't go down the centre when the three fellas coming in. He should have went to where the space was. Anyway, but it, it was true. Uh, Kilkenny set the trap. And if Limerick go short with their puck outs on Sunday, Kilkenny will set a trap. And what I mean by set a trap is they'll delay the tackle. The, the nearest fella will delay the tackle a bit. And the two furthest fellas that you mightn't be able to see unless you've got unbelievable peripheral vision on the ball mightn't see it. And then it's nearly like watching David Attenborough with lines out and the, then they'll attack together and suddenly the space is just closed down. And that's what, like it's easy for us to look down on the camera and watch the replay and the whole lot and give out about the clear full. But, oh, they should have cleared the lines. But, this is split-second stuff and Kilkenny are very good at hunting impacts or doing that tackle or, or, or as I said, the men near just delaying it a second or two so the other two can get in around and, and uh, crowd tackle. But that goal seemed to, to revitalise them and it seemed to re-kickstart them again. But they're just, like, on Sunday, even if Kilkenny are underperforming, they'll still be within three, four points. They'll still tip away. It's just unbelievable what they can do. So, um, But to answer your question about two semi-finals, I think the Leinster Championship is going to have an effect on the likes of Kilkenny and Galway if the standard of it doesn't improve a bit because you're going from unbelievable intensity um, coming from Munster and you have to try and match that. And then people can counter-argue and say, what about Kilkenny over the years with the old championship? They used to be able to just come through Leinster nearly easier than they did now, no Galway. But at that time, uh, teams in Munster that still only had one or two, like you could you could win the Munster final after two games. So they were only after an extra game and then Kilkenny had a really good team so it was easy, adapt and nearly nearly... Um, ambush the team coming into it but at the moment the way the, the championship both Leinster and Munster is going and coming into the All-Ireland there's just too many games and Munster teams are going to be that step ahead like the, then you can counter-argue the Tipperary thing um, and I don't have an answer for it I just think Tipperary just 
I think the Waterford result had psychological damage to them. Uh, I think they they obviously conceded a lot against Offaly, but they scored a lot. But they just weren't. It, I don't know. It just kind of ended their year, whether it be psychologically, physically, whatever it was. Tipperary never found the heights. But if if Tipperary played Galway in the third round of the Munster Championship, it would have been a completely different game. They were going really well, and you're not going to come out of the top three in Munster unless you're consistent and playing at an unbelievable level. So it's going to be hard. I'm not. I'm not writing off Linster teams by any means. I'm just making the statement that it's going to be hard for Linster teams to face a Munster team um, coming out of that championship for the next couple of years because all the teams in Munster are able to play at a very good level. Yeah, they certainly are. And I suppose just talking about the the narratives coming into this game, and there's so many of them. I mean, Limerick going for the four in a row, Kilkenny, the last county to do the four in a row. Obviously, the role of honour leaders, the dominant force in hurling for so many years against uh, a team who some people maybe call the, the new Kilkenny because they find ways to beat you even when, when they look down and out. Excuse me. Um, they find ways to beat you. So, look, there's so many narratives coming into this and they do say there's been a lot of talk in the build-up to the game that there's only two counties to ever have one to four in a row because it's not that easy to do. And that's what makes um, Sunday so mouthwatering. And I actually think we don't give last year's All-Ireland final enough for credit. Um, maybe it's the fact Limerick were going for three in a row. Maybe it's the fact we won. We probably don't, don't talk about it as much. You nearly talk about a game you lost more than the game. We nearly talk about 2019 losing more than we talk about last year's All-Ireland for some reason. But it was just an unbelievable game. Um, has there been more skillful games in the last couple of years? Probably yes, as in better scores and more excitement. But the All-Ireland final last year as a battle of of psychology and skill and ability and matchups and everything was an unbelievable game. And I don't think we want to see any different on Sunday. I think it's going to be quite the same. Um, it's just both teams are coming with a winning mentality. And although Kilkenny haven't won an All-Ireland since 2015, which is amazing stat altogether, they've still been knocking on the door that were there last year and they're still winning Linsters the whole time, which, look, it's not easy winning a provincial title. There's only two of them. There's only Munster and Linster and they're, they're the kingpins in Linster. So even though they're not winning All-Ireland, there's still an unbelievable winning mentality inside in that squad. And whatever it is about the Kilkenny jersey, it's like taking on a club. I've been there. I've suffered at the at at their at, at our own expense at how good they are. Um, they just they just fight on each other's back. They're constantly talking to each other, communication, and not even it's not even true words. It can be true hand signals and true nearly telepathically knowing where each other are. They, there's this thing for years that Kilkenny don't have tactics. <laughs> They're so good at having tactics, they nearly make it unknown. Brian Cody was unbelievable at having three matchups. It, it was a known thing. He'd always have three matchups. He'd take three lads. He'd done it in 2019, and then he put TJ Reid on the perceived worst back, or not even the worst back, the perceived back who he feels he'd get the most scores off. And this worked time. He'd done it with Henry Shefflin before TJ This worked time after time. And people say, oh, it's easy to do it with players, whatever. But if you're taking three of the other team's best players out of it and you're able to match it everywhere else and then you're creating a bit of space or you're, you're targeting one of your forwards, your key men to get scores. It, it, it worked for years upon years and again, Derek Ling has been trained under Brian Cody. Do you think that he's not going to have a couple of uh, tricks up his sleeve? In 2019, they effectively kind of man-marked Keane Lynch to kind of took a couple of others out of the game and they played that first 20, 25 minutes in 2019, the intensity they played the shell shock Limerick was unbelievable, and like, and even one thing about that, 
Um, again, it's a hindsight thing. I think it's unreal that uh, everyone's given out about Clare, like that Clare shouldn't have played a sweeper in the in the first half and the whole lot. Um, and even though we're in it, we're analysts and we're 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 doing the podcast and like we're living in hindsight the whole time. Like I'd like to give people an example that in the first twenty five thirty minutes, anyone that remembers twenty nineteen final, um, Kilkenny just onslaught. They they just got scores. Everything went away. Tactically, it worked the whole lot. And Limerick and Declan Hannon didn't actually went down. I think John was his heart or something, and he wasn't right. So what Limerick done is they brought Kyle Hayes back. So we effectively nearly played with two centre backs or played with a sweeper such, but it actually got us back into the game. So like Brian Cody's right, every game is different. That sweeper could have worked for for Clare. Who's to say if they didn't come out in the second half, Clare and play the sweeper that they wouldn't come back into the game? But look, that's the that's the joys of management. Um, uh, that's the joys of management when you do something and it works you're a genius and when you do something that doesn't work oh, you don't have a clue Like so look it's, it's just a tough place to be I suppose at management but um, even though it's Derek Ling's I'm worrying about manager there even though it's only Derek Ling's first year there he's been selector been Brian Cody's right hand man there for a good number of years um, he's got good people around him Peter Bar- all Ireland winners there all around him um, we always talk about the current Limerick team they have fellas from the four in a row that they've done they have a winning mentality. They're not going up to make up numbers. They never do. But even that mentality and that psychology and even when a Mikey Butler, a young fellow there cornerback, looks up and his selectors are have All-Ireland medals coming out of their pockets and when they talk, you listen and they're probably giving them the psychology they had when they were playing. So that's a dress room that isn't going up to say, lads, we're up against it here. They're up to say, uh, if, if Limerick are good enough, let them earn it. And that's the mentality they play with and you can see it coming out through the screen or even on the field if you're there. Yeah, you definitely can. And uh, talking about All-Ireland medals, we caught up with uh, former Kilkenny goalkeeper Michael Walsh. He has uh, two medals to his name. Take a listen to this. I suppose the thing I noticed this year, there definitely is a difference in, I suppose, how Kilkenny how people are looking at the match this year. Uh, I think last year they kind of went up really more in hope than anything else and they were hoping for a really good performance, which they got. But this year there seems to be an air of a quiet, quiet confidence, certainly not an arrogant confidence around that, but a quiet confidence in that 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 most Kenny people I think feel that the team is in a good place and uh, they're maybe ahead of where they were last year and they're, they're very hopeful that Sunday could bring a different result. Since we knew you were coming on, we've been very anxious to talk to you. There's no one better qualified than yourself to to talk about the the two outstanding goalkeepers who will be taken to the field on on Sunday. Obviously, uh, Owen Murphy's save was was something to behold against Clare and uh, did you a massive turn in, in that game. But obviously, his performances have been so consistent over the years. The same can be said about, about Nicky Quaid. Are we possibly seeing... Two of the best keepers to ever do us taken to the same field uh, for the second year in a row uh, this Sunday. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I, I just the, the level of performance from the two of them over the last decade or so has been just off the off the charts. Really, they've they've you know there've been many fantastic goalkeepers right right throughout the the nineties, the noughties, whatever. And I think these two have stepped it up to another level. To be quite honest, uh, in every facet of their game. I think probably on the shot stopping front, Owen has a slight advantage. Where I think on the other front, uh, Nicky has the advantage. And you know, Owen probably mixes it up a bit more this year, which I think suits him because he plays outfield for his club, as does Nicky. And they both play centre back actually. And you can see why they're they're brilliant users of the ball. And uh, you know, I suppose Owen has a little bit more opportunity to do that this year maybe than than before that. But as regards goalkeeping, like they're just a pleasure to watch. And and you know. You know, whoever wins on Sunday will probably find out that one of the two of them are very instrumental in that because they really are top, top class.
Yeah, and I suppose you have something in common with, with Nicky Quaid and that himself and his late father, Tommy, both lined out in, in goal for Limerick in the in the green jersey. You were the same with, with your father, the late great Ollie Walsh as well, so you have that in common. Yeah, and um, I obviously um, <laughs> it's uh, it's a story, I suppose, that I didn't take up driving till late in life and um, my first long drive was unfortunately a sad occasion to Tommy's funeral. I would have played against Tommy, Tommy in the 90s and got to know him very well. And uh, their mother is actually hails from Galmoy in County Kilkenny and I would know her family quite well. And uh, uh, obviously huge respect for the Quaid family. Always have had two lovely people and, and obviously uh, Nicky has followed uh, in that footstep and met Nicky after the league final in Park Creeve and he probably didn't know who I was uh, but I just shook hands with him and I just didn't say anything I just met him and I was delighted to shake his hand and uh, he, he was very courteous to me and you know I didn't mention anything about whatever before there wasn't the time to do it but I had some great battles with his late dad and, and you know the thing, I, the thing I know about Tommy Craig I spent a good bit of time in his company at the 92 All-Star do and uh, you know we just got on so well and uh, you know as I said unfortunately my first very long drive was was to, was unfortunately to his funeral but um, a great family and as I said yeah uh, it's something that you would have in common and it's it's a fantastic thing to do. Michael I'm going to step in here because um, <clears throat> I've loads of present day questions to ask you but um, a couple of just we like to, any guests that we have on we like to just ask them about maybe their own career and the past and things like that and as you say, having Owen Murphy in your goals and we have obviously Nicky in our sticks there. Um, if you can reflect back to even, we'll say, into county trend or club trend when you were a goalie, can, can you give us a brief synopsis, a very short, maybe, insight into what it was like back then? Because as Luke's after saying, the two probably best goals we've ever seen and obviously there's a reason for that goalkeeping coach and all that. But what was it like back in your day as a goalie? Yeah, there was no goalkeeping coach, obviously, in our time, uh, James. But uh, I suppose I got two opportunities. I got the first opportunity with Kilkenny in, back in 1987. And I, I probably felt that, you know, this is great. I, I'm in now and that's it. And I, I kind of worked hard but didn't work hard enough, if you like. And the second opportunity came around three years later. And, and when when I got the second opportunity, like uh, my whole attitude and thing t- uh, towards it was that I wasn't going to let it go this time. So at that time, it was down to yourself, basically. Obviously, you, you would have got advice from different people there and there. But uh, I, I used to spend uh, hours and hours in, 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 a, in a ball alley just down from my house. And uh, I would go there every single day for at least 20 minutes to a half an hour. And I found it probably the best thing I could ever I could have ever done because it improved every part of my game. Obviously, your reflexes would improve on it, but the amount of work I was doing it was improving my fitness levels as well. And uh, I, I I religiously would go there every day, so I learned a lesson that you know the work had to be put in. So I would say that. Whereas we didn't have the same level, obviously, but there was no gym work at all at that time, and you just trained. But I would have said that off the field. You know, I, I, I would have said, from my own situation anyway, uh, I would have put in a huge amount of work uh, as regards to try and get, get myself to the best possible possible level. Obviously, at this stage, you know, I think, you know, club level at this stage has nearly gone to the same same thing as, as the county was at that time or even a bit beyond it because there's so much in, in, in place now. That was never there in our day, but nevertheless, the effort you had to put in was very, very strong because uh, you know yourself for playing at inter-county level, you're always trying to get an edge at some stage and uh, that edge was to put in that extra work and I found the ball alley the best place to be for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic answer and even when you say back in your day, obviously I'm not as um, mature as you at the moment, shall we say, but it, you're, you're not talking that long ago, Michael, to be fair. Do you know, I'm, 
I just think um, I'm delighted that you said that because I think it's unreal that um, I don't know much about goalkeeping and it's a, it, look it's a lonely enough spot as in you're there on your own or you might have a sub goalie or two but you're, like it's interesting over the years that you were nearly self-taught self-coached and, and still no matter how much goalkeeping coaching is there now they still will say with puck outs and that it's all about decision making and goal and as you know if they make one mistake so I suppose my last question I suppose is nearly past and present if as much as the you've got short puck outs and you've got decision making and obviously like any other position the field goalie has changed but the grassroots are still the same. Would you say there's any one particular skill that's most important to being goal? I know you could answer, there could be, but you yourself, do you personally think there's one skill that that's above all rest to be a goalie? Well, I think now as I, I spoke about this earlier, right? And I go back again. Uh, obviously, in, 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 at the time we played, uh, the sharp puckout wasn't in place, and I suppose decision making would have been maybe whether you were winning the ball or not in your half-forward line, maybe whether to go to midfield or if you were looking enough to be able to hit beyond that or which side you might go. Nowadays, uh, I think that the biggest change in goalkeeping is exactly what you spoke about there, decision-making. And I think that being clever and intelligent, and in many ways, like many people would say to me over the years, and as, I remember coming out with last year's All-Ireland Final and lads were saying this lad was brilliant and that lad was brilliant. And I would say... That's the most important player on the Olympic team, in my view, is their goalkeeper. He is their eyes and ears. He sees everything that's going on. He's uncanny at at doing the right thing at the right time, if you know what I mean. Like, if he sees a puck out, that's on, it goes. If he doesn't, it doesn't go. But he's he, he's able to make the big decision. I think one of them might have come in the Munster final. I, I, I might be remiss on this now, but I think near the end of the Munster final, uh, Limerick were under savage pressure, and I think he found Garrod Hegarty. It might be, it might be somebody else with a long puck out. He grabbed it and put it over the bar at vital time, and that's the the key difference between goalkeeping now and back then. And I think decision making now. If you're going to be a goalkeeper now, shot stopping was probably the big thing back then, and you should never forget that. That's still the most. That's hugely important as well. But I find now that the goalkeeper really is a hugely important player in the team and he's intelligent his game intelligence is probably the most important thing and uh, that's why uh, I would count Nicky Quaid as so important to Limerick Just to talk about um, I suppose the, the present day what like we, we don't know much about what's going on in Kilkenny down here uh, if you don't mind us saying we're always kind of maybe keeping an eye on Cork and Clare and Tipperary yeah. running around him but what's the, the general feeling around Kilkenny towards Derek Ling and the fact obviously he's trying to fill big boots and Brian Cody and we all know the story yeah, well, um, I suppose, you know, it's a big year for Derek and uh, I know Derek personally very well. Um, I would have quite a few deals with him over the years in different different scenarios. And um, it's like everything, um, you know, people were waiting to see what would happen. I, I suppose, to be quite honest, many people felt it would take time for him to settle in. And there was an early match in the league where Kenny played Tipperary and they got a bit of a tanking and it's like, you know, the other way around, the one, the one uh, team that, most Kenny people wouldn't like losing to Tipperary. So that knocked them back quite a bit that day, uh, to be quite honest. And it took a little bit of time then after that. The crowds were a bit low and there were bits and pieces of victories. And then he got it back going again. But then the league final came and that definitely knocked a lot of confidence. Uh, but then, you know, bit by bit it has picked up. And I think now the fact that Derek has done all this, got to a league final, now in an All-Ireland final, won the Leinster Championship, however... The bit of luck might have come their way. I think that many people have really taken to him. Um, I would have known from the start that the type of individual he is, and uh, I know he would have been earmarked by Brian Cody in his time. That you know that Derek Ling would manage Kilkenny someday, and you can see why he's such a grounded fella uh, in personal life, and there is no 
you know, airs and graces about him. He just is, is really strong, really solid. And you could see why players would buy into Derek because Derek is, 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 it is what it says on the team with Derek. Just gets on with his job. And he's the very same in life and uh, a great character, a very solid character. And he would embody really what Kenny would have been about over the last number of years, particularly starting with Brian Cody's era. He, he would have a really strong work ethic. He would have a, a never-say-die attitude. And he would have a very, very strong personality. So, and he's brought all those traits back to the thing. Because someone said to me a week ago, what's different about Kenny? There's not a million miles different. They're, they've expanded their game a small bit. And there's other little things, bits and pieces that have, have definitely helped him along the way that he's tweaked. But in general, it's kind of more of the same in the fact that he would have been brought up in the Brian Cody area. And, and the very few basic things that he demands were spirit and honesty and all that, they're still there. Yeah, you're you're nearly after half answering my. This is my last question, though, Michael. If I don't want it'll be an interview more than a podcast, but you're after saying there about, um, we say the Brian Cody teams are probably the most memorable because they're the most recent. Um, I'm not saying yeah. you didn't have it before, but we we down here, and I think everybody in Munster, I think everybody in Ireland, uh, I think it's fair to say, and it's not the fact that we're playing um, in the All Ireland on Sunday. This is just a clear fact. We admire and we just can't get over. When Kilkenny play, when any Kilkenny man over the years, you go back to the 50s, 60s, it's always been said, the work rate, the desire, that never say die attitude. And it nearly takes, nobody actually nearly talks about their skill levels and their speed and their agility because you nearly do so much talk about their work rate and desire. Is there any underlying reason? I know you could again say a million things, but is there anything you put down to that as you are after saying there, do, do Kilkenny look for that in a person before they put on that jersey or what is... What creates that and why do Kilkenny have it more than any other county? Yeah, I would say that, you know, you'd probably be in Kilkenny and you'd be looking and saying, God, you know, this fellow's a great hurler or this fellow's a great hurler. But they certainly look, I, I suppose certainly since Brian's time, they certainly look for that type of, uh, of character, if you like. And, you know, in, the, in all that time that you're looking, as you say, you know, their, home, their work rate and all that sort of thing that goes on. But in that time, particularly if you go back from, or even back further, they've always produced this iconic player, if you like. You know, you had, uh, you know, you had back in the 70s, the Frank Cummins, the 60s, Daddy Kerr's my own father, uh, God be good to him. And you, you go on then, you have the Chunky O'Briens and, you know, so the, the, the Joe Hendersons, the Joe Hennessys and all these type of players. And then you move on again and you're into the DJ Carey era and then you move on to the Henry Shefflin, J.J. Delaney, Tommy Welch era and then you move on again, Richie Hogan, T.J. Reid. So within that, they've always produced that. But I suppose the best story about that to probably sum it all up would be, and I was looking up to manage the two of them at under 21 level, it took Richie Hogan and T.J. Reid, who were absolutely fantastic players, it took them quite a while to settle in because of the things that you spoke about beforehand, apart from the skill level. They had to learn that there was way more to it than that and that they would be judged more on whatever they did or didn't do as regards off the ball, if you like, before they'd settle in on the Kilkenny team. Because in any other county, they would have walked straight into many county teams because of the of the levels of skill that they had. And I know TJ was very frustrated. One particular, actually, it was just before the Kilkenny played their week in the 2013 quarterfinal. And, you know, he was dropped that weekend off the, off the team and uh, Henry Shefflin had a battle with TJ to make sure that, you know, that he didn't pack it in at that stage. That's how deep that was. And, you know, Richie Hogan had to had to really suffer at times as well because the feeling within the county would have been that Richie was an absolute genius, which he is. And uh, but Brian demanded more, and until he got that more, there weren't regulars in the team. So, you know, 
within that framework of the massive school, which the Kenny Orders are, always have, the, the first characteristics are that character, that, that team player and the, the, and the work rate. Michael, just before we, we let you go, just um, your, I suppose, prediction for, for Sunday. And is there any chance that we can put a, a few quid behind the bar at Killian Buckley's wedding for him and his <laughs> teammates maybe to let the hair down before the big game? Yeah, actually, Killian is a friend of mine and he's, and he's from my own club. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge weekend for him. And, you know, it'll be interesting what, what, if, what part or whatever will happen with the match on Sunday. But look... Um, as I said, you had to start the program. Like uh, first of all, uh, you know, I personally, the respect I would have for what Limerick have done over the years, the admiration for what they do, and the amount is just fantastic. They're just an incredible team. I think, in fairness, a lot of people have kind of jumped under backs even like this week outside of their outside of Limerick uh, this year. Sorry to try and put certain things in place to try and knock them off their perch. And I remember in Clare in '98 they were maybe treated a little bit the same and I suppose it happens all successful teams for Kenny at the time would have been the same they would have said different things but they've rolled out all that and uh, they certainly looked to, to be at back to peak form in the semi-final I suppose it comes back down to that semi-finals like where Limerick as good as the, as, as they looked on the day uh, did Galway collapse and did Clare blow their opportunity today after or, you know, the, the feeling in Kenny as I said is that they're, they've definitely improved on last year and the way I see their improvement is their use of the bench and the experienced players I think that they have made a huge difference coming on into the game they're all fantastic players and they've, they've you know maybe not 70 minutes in them anymore but for that 20-25 minutes or whatever it is they've, they've really made a difference Um it's a tough one to call. It's very hard to go against one of the greatest teams that ever plays in Limerick. Uh, so Kenny, they think when we feel down here that we have a really good opportunity and uh, it's going to be a very, very tight game. The Omens, I suppose, in regards to Kenny had definitely had a, had a bit of luck along the way with the Leinster final victory and the save by Owen in the, final, in the semi-final. But I suppose good teams make their own luck too. So, we're 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 quietly confident, but certainly not uh, massively confident. But we always believe when we go to Croke Park, I suppose that we'll we'll put up a show, we'll perform, and hopefully that might ease us into a, a a victory on Sunday. But I, again, as I said to you, I would be very foolish to say anything. But but that you know, if Limerick play to their best, well, you know, they will win the game. But I would be hoping, from my point of view, maybe they might be a small bit off, and Kenny would play very well to give them a narrow victory. Yeah, great to get the views of Michael Walsh, former Kilkenny goalkeeper, of course, on the Sideline Cut podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick. We do thank our sponsors who've been with us uh, throughout the campaign. Jim Bob, just listening to uh, Michael there, a real Kilkenny man. He's not going too far in the favour of Kilkenny, saying that Limerick need to be a bit below par for, for Kilkenny to get over the line. But I think they don't get too hyped up either way in Kilkenny, do they? They're, they're fairly level and maybe something we can we can learn from them as we continue to go through this uh, period of success in Limerick Hurling. Yeah, I suppose you summed it up there. Um, he's never, when you're playing a team that's going for four in a row, you're never going to be the team to say, yeah, we're going to come out and win. But like you're after saying, uh, Mike Welch and Dolly Kilkenny are cute enough when they're going for three or four in a row as they're always giving the opposition ultimate respect and they're always, um, I suppose, thinking the worst but expecting the best all the time. And um, look, I suppose that's an art in itself. Um, it's skill in itself. But uh, look, Dave, many, many years, there's plenty of decades there where they've won numerous All-Irelands and any time they've been on the floor, they seem to be able to revamp and, and suddenly get players out of nowhere. So... Um, yeah, look, you just have to admire the way they approach the game and it's unbelievable 
I think we're all only playing catch up on what he said there about um, um, looking at the traits and the, the, nearly the character of the player. And I don't think even think professional sports has this down to a fine art yet. Of, um, yeah, it's all fine and well to have the skill and the talent, but it, it's your character out in the field. Um, like, who's going to... Is there players on your team willing to sacrifice their own game, as in not get the, the punditry, not get the accolades, not get the hurler of the years, but they're able to take the hurler of the year over the other side out of the game? And... Uh, they, Kilkenny just have them that's what I mean about their club mentality there a while ago they have numerous players that are quite happy to do a job and take a player out if they have to and not worry about the ball worry about the man and try and curtail him and that's just what makes them so good and I think as I said the Limerick have it now and I think managers club and county around the whole country are starting to come in on that wavelength um, like Luke there was many many players and many um, underhead squads grown up um, even played against players on other squads that were that were better than me uh, at under 14 better than me under 15 better than me at minor better than me even maybe at senior but it comes down to character and when that ball breaks it doesn't take skill or talent yeah it takes a bit of maybe uh, knowing the game and knowledge of the game and reading maybe with a breaking ball but sometimes the ball can break 50-50 and it's work rate desire it's uh putting your head in where you wouldn't put a hurley kind of a mentality that's going to get the ball. So in order to have all that skill and talent, you have to have the ball in your hand first and you have to give Kilkenny credit. Um, obviously, their team now, but it's very rare I've ever seen a Kilkenny player, whether it's number one or number 15 on the field, who isn't willing to, to die for the jersey or, or put their head in and, and take a belt or whatever it takes to, to win that breaking ball or or do a tackle to, to, to do anything like uh, JJ Delaney's hook the time like you know last last effort stuff and you could go on over the years that just they, they just they play until the ball is dead all the time and it, it's and, and obviously our Limerick team have it as well at the moment we're not saying it's just our Limerick team are well able to match them in, in that aspect and that's what's going to make Sunday so good yeah, it definitely is. And I was going to leave this piece for a little later in the podcast, Jim Bob, but just because we're on the subject, it's a little piece that I found during the week. Uh, one of America's best known football coaches, Nick Saban, uh, he's kind of summing up what it takes to to build a winning team. He's had so many of them. He coaches uh, college side Alabama. But take a listen to this. I think it really ties in with, with both counties. And the big part of being a team is you have to be able to communicate with other people and you have to work with other people. And you can never have any team chemistry for this reason. Mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. So if everybody doesn't buy into the same principles and values of the organization and the same high standard, you're never going to be successful. Just like our spring practice right now. You know what my goal with spring practice is? Get the right guys on the bus, get them in the right seats, and get the wrong guys off the bus. So one of these days, you're going to be working in an organization and somebody's going to try to do that to you. So which one of those people do you want to be? Do you want to be somebody they're trying to get off the bus because you're satisfied with mediocre performance? Because you can never have any team chemistry in your organization if everybody's not committed to the same standard and the same things. You know, when I worked for Bill Belichick, we had one sign in the building. It was, do your job. And I, you know, you go in all these places and, you know, you see all these things. One sign, do your job. 
I often feel that's how you feel working with me, Jim Bob. Uh, <laughs> the mediocrity of of sitting across from me and uh, all your your exceptional analysis, but uh, I think that does sum it up. And and that's kind of what you were saying, wasn't it? It's you need that buy in, you need that character, and you don't make four All Ireland finals in a row without that. You don't win as many All Irelands as as Kilkenny do uh, without that either. So I think that uh, it was perfectly summed up there. Uh, just looking at the game, Jim Bob itself, I think obviously a lot of talk about Owen Cody, a lot of talk about Aaron Galan. Certainly, two men that either county will want to keep quiet. You look at Owen Cody, one five in that semi final win over Clare. He is going to be the the man to watch. You you talked about Conor Whelan last time, didn't you? If you can keep him some way quiet, you go a, a long way towards beating Galway. Probably not to the same extent with Kilkenny, but it, it is, a, um, I suppose, really important to, to target him and, and try and keep him relatively quiet. Yeah, um, definitely not the same. Um, uh, Conor Whelan, um, if you took Conor Whelan out of the Galway team, the point I was making is, uh, yeah, they have a few forwards that can obviously hurt you, but maybe they don't do it consistently or you know but even on Cody if you take on Cody if on Cody was missing for uh, Sunday yeah it'd be a serious advantage for um, Limerick but you'd still say to just slip in Walter Welch there and put Tom Feeling into the corner or something and next thing yeah they still have six good forwards and I suppose the the thing about the Kilkenny forwards is like like we always maybe complimented Limerick on this over the years and still do Um Limerick were like it was well documented and well said over the years we said it on air ourselves that Graham Mulcahy was known as making the most tackles and yeah because of shot poke outs and all that but Graham Mulcahy was making more tackles than Sean Finn was in the corner and you look at the the goal Clare conceded the other day was because of Kilkenny's hard work and full forward line so that's what makes it uh, so hard to call on Sunday yeah I do think Limerick will win but both teams have forwards that are willing to, to work hard Um I suppose we heard Michael Walsh saying it there, Richie Hogan over the years and TJ Reid, they had all the skill, they could talk to the, talk the ball over the bar, but if they weren't putting in the hard yards, the hook and the block and the fight and the, the slogging, um, they wouldn't be on. So, But Kilkenny are such a hard team to read and analyse. Well, I find them anyway, because like Martin Keown there is going to be inside full forward, more than likely his name, but last day at number 11. But he's probably going to be f- uh, 14 and TJ Reid's going to be 11. Like Matt Keown could come out there with two goals and three points and you're kind of saying, I don't know, did he play well or not? Like Billy Ryan is another lad there. He he can do unbelievable things. I'd say um, unbelievable speed. I'd say a nightmare to mark. Um, and a lot of these Kilkenny lads are a lot bigger than you think. Like you're looking at Billy Ryan there and Owen Cody saying, oh yeah, they're only small slip of lads. They're, they're well able to match it physically as well. Like Mike Casey there and Dan Morrissey um, not small lads in the full back line the boys will be well able to get in around them and um, if they don't beat him for strength they'll, they'll get keep the hurley in and the whole lot so um, John Donnelly is another lad that could come out there with four or five points and play he, you watch the match and you'd say a bit like Tom Morrissey I suppose if you had to make a comparison uh, you could come in after the game and somebody said Just, I didn't think John Donnelly was great and then you look at the stats he could have caught four puck outs he could have had four assists and he could have got five points and play and still you mightn't have seen him on the ball that much so they're very hard to read and gauge. Um, obviously, the stats team and all that will have a, a lot of work done them. But Owen Cody is definitely um, a classic player. Another Shamrock, Spelly Hale. Um, out of that stud, they have unbelievable amount of players and the, the class of them. But um, yeah, he's their he's the dangerous forward. He's, he's the man that can create a goal out of out of nothing. Like if he if the corner back just slips and he slips in behind him or takes him on and just and he'll go for goal. If, if the goal chances on, Kilkenny will go for it. So um, yeah, they're, they're a hard game. But like, let me just say this before, before we say anything. Like, I I do predict a Limerick win, 
Um, but I don't predict it by as much or as easy as maybe we in Limerick maybe were being clouded by the four and the row and the whole lot. And the reason I say that is, like, we're making a lot of comparisons to the, the Kilkenny and Limerick team at the moment, right? Michael Walsh even said it there that Limerick are, are one of the greatest teams we've ever seen. Yes, he's right in saying that. But still, in saying that, Kilkenny still feel they have a team, and they do, that can compete. So what I'm trying to say is, if Limerick weren't around at the moment, it'd be Kilkenny would be the top pins, because they're winning Linster, there's no one in Munster, but Limerick just seems to be able to, to match them. So they'd be the ones, they'd be back to the norm, back to Kilkenny, being really, really strong, how are we going to stop them? But if you break the two teams down and you say, right, where are the comparisons? We're already after making a comparison of Owen Murphy and Nicky Quaid. Very similar, two great goalies, uh, big debate going on around the the country, which one's better, the whole lot. Two of them play out the field, very capable of playing out the field as well. Uh, left and right side, the, the two of them have, have it all. You look at Kikini's full back line. Uh, Mikey Butler's obviously getting a lot of a lot of praise around the place, rightly so. Um, Michael Welch is saying they're actually playing slightly better this year. I agree with him. I think this is a man, he got a lot of credit last year for Mark and Tony Kelly and the whole lot and they nearly put him on to the big stage and how he's the man Mark and all that. This year he's after adding a slight... I'm only talking about 1% somebody. He's after adding a slight bit to his game. He's going forward. Um, when he didn't have the ball the other day, he went forward. Now he uh, he probably got excited a bit there in front of the goal once twice, but he went forward. He showed great pace, great power. And again, when you're going forward and you're man-marking, now the hunter becomes the hunted. Now Tony Kelly had to follow him back to field a few times or if he's man-marking somebody. So he's probably more than likely going to pick up Peter Casey. Peter Casey plays out in the top of that triangle kind of out in that D or maybe out a bit further and try and play two men inside. If Peter Casey decides to go out into the half-hard line a bit and next thing Mikey Butler makes a run and suddenly gets a point, Peter Casey kind of says, wait well, a minute here now, they sit in part of the plane. And, and it is so, a kind of, you're nearly double-thinking the, the other person. You Lawler, um, there's no doubt about it, has marked uh, Aaron Glenn. I would nearly put my house in it unless Kilkenny come with something different. You lot is going to play in front of Owen Murphy mind in the square. We all know where Aaron Glenn's going to play so it doesn't take a genius to figure out they're going to be marking each other. You lot is a nightmare to mark. He can match Aaron Glenn physically as in he's probably a taller man but Aaron, Aaron's uh, broad and will able to mind himself he's a strong man but um, he's probably able to, to maybe stifle Aaron Glenn a bit. He, Aaron doesn't catch too many high balls. Now Aaron's the best uh, forward in the country to go in behind catch a ball probably the best I've ever nearly seen at this stage but Hugh Lawler is able to curtail him um, I know um, he held Aaron Glant a couple of points last year Aaron Glant had a couple of maybe wides or two two like he could have had a uh, could have got, got a couple of more scores in the board but Hugh Lawler and Aaron Glant is going to be the most tantalising matchup of the whole game I, I can't wait to see it and then it's looking like Tommy Welch is going to match Seamus Flanagan uh, Tommy Welch is uh, uh, John Allen used to call it the silent pig on the Kilkenny team he's playing in the corner there he does his thing he stops his man playing he lays off ball he, nobody's talking about him but he is Mr. Consistent back there so uh, Limerick's full forward line Kilkenny's full back line are used to playing against them and that's going to be the matchups. it's going to be very interesting and they they held their own last year in the all Ireland final that's what made it so close and then you go to maybe we'll go to the Limerick full back line and, uh, and uh, the Kilkenny full forward line Billy Ryan is probably going to be picked up by more than likely, will they put on Cody on, on Mike Casey? Will they match like for like? Because uh, they both kind of have similar bills and the whole lot. Or will they put Barry Nash over and Brian Cody saying he's more used to playing there? So it's either going to be Barry Nash or um, Mike Casey going to mark on Cody and the other person is going to mark Billy Ryan. Billy Ryan's a bit like Tommy Welch the other side. Billy Ryan, nobody's kind of talking about him. Like, oh yeah, which one will we put on on Cody? Everybody's forgetting about Billy Ryan. So, um, didn't Martin Keown probably going to be inside full forward? I... 
unless they do something and draw Dan out around the field if, if Martin Keown stays in like Aaron Glenn does on our side in around the square and they start hitting ball in definitely on top of uh, Martin Keown he doesn't have a hope but if they start hitting the ball out in front of him I think that's a, a matchup we, we possibly could win so the reason why I'm saying Limerick could possibly have an advantage there is I do feel our forwards are a little bit more dangerous and the matchups and they could cause more damage and the last thing I'm going to say about the whole because we go on about the half back lines half hard lines in midfield Conor Fogarty and Adrian Mullen are going very well. Adrian Mullen is a, obviously a player, uh, another very talented lad, Shamrock, um, uh, Shamrock, Ballyhale Shamrocks again. Um, he, he, he plays very well, usually plays very well against Limerick. Uh, he could come off the field there four or five points from play and do his defensive duties. Conor Fogarty is going to be in there. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's William O'Donoghue or Dara Donovan or maybe Keane Lynch could be there if, if William O'Donoghue is going to be sent to back again. Conor Fogarty could go do a man-marking job on Keane Lynch and just stifle him, be alongside him, um, get tackles in, be rough, be be abrupt. And that's why he's in there. He's in there to um, shut down Limerick's sharp passing and do all that. So, look, Kilkenny are going to have a very interesting game plan. They are going to do matchups. Limerick are going to do matchups as well. But we're evenly matched around the field and the matchups are going to be very, very interesting indeed. Yeah, they definitely are. And just from my own point of view, and I know you're on a similar wave of thinking, obviously we record this on a... Thursday with the the team coming out a, a Friday morning just as the pod goes out but Declan Hannon just the fact that, that look it was a knee injury obviously not that much preparation time coming into a final having not played the semi-final I think we're kind of expecting Hannon either to be on the bench or not named at all and possibly William O'Donoghue to, to start at centre-back again and, and start with a similar team that they did in the semi-final so you, you mentioned Adrian Mullen there and I suppose the the talent he has on the ball how much do you miss William O'Donoghue in that midfield then if uh, if he is playing centre-back? Because he'd be obviously the number one man you'd want kind of man-marking uh, Adrian Mullen or keeping an eye on him, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Like I'm going to make probably the most obvious statement of all time. You you want your best team out and not on final day. And if Declan Hand's missing, well, we don't have our best team out. Um, and that's why we're saying we're, we're just being, I suppose, a little bit cagey here. Yes, we, we think we're going to win whatever, but... We we can get all excited here on the pod and go, ah, four in a row, we're going to do and all that. But that's all uh, post-match. That's all the celebration. That's all the talk after match. People are listening to this pod to want to know what's going to go on Sunday. They could be, I know a lot of people drive up to the match on Sunday and they listen to this pod before they go up and they want to maybe hear maybe our view on the match itself. So uh, we can go on all sunshine and rainbows. And I do think we are four in a row, best team ever. And that talk, there's plenty of time in the year for all that kind of talk, no doubt about it. But... Like, if you go on what Michael Welch just said there, he feels Kilkenny are slightly better this year than they were last year. Um, now, saying that, I think Kilkenny played slightly better in the All-Ireland final last year than they did all year. So, it's going to be at that at that level. Uh, Limerick had, maybe, obviously we're missing Keane Lynch and Peter Casey, but it, it's been well documented that we feel, or a lot of people feel, even the Limerick players, whatever, feel we're very top-heavy. We have a lot of forwards and maybe... Um, not like not as many backs should we say that have the experience and, and, and whatever maybe we're not producing we're producing more forwards than we are backs at the moment so if Michael Welch's point is they're a little bit better this year and we're um, obviously not um, we say on paper as strong as we were last year missing Declan and missing Sean Finn well that makes it very interesting from a bookie's point of view or weighing up the situation so um, like Michael Welch said there as well uh, like we could read into the All-Ireland semi-final and say we blew Galway away Galway should have beaten Kilkenny in the Leinster final but a lot can change in three weeks we talk about Tipperary after three rounds of months championship they were 
they were going to win the All-Ireland everyone. next thing they lose to Waterford and Waterford put a sub-goalie and sent the back and they make load changes and they beat him so a lot can change in Ireland uh, in a week or two weeks so look Declan Hannan is going to be a massive loss we, we've talked about we've talked about it all year we talked about Sean Finn missing but the, the, more than likely if I had to get a reading off the whole county and all that we haven't even really talked about Declan Hannan being back whatever so I think there's just a, thinner, a, a general feeling around that we just know we're going to have to play without him he's injured and uh, yeah he's going to be a massive loss and the other thing as well is you're putting uh, a rookie centre back in and what I mean by rookie is he's more comfortable playing midfield he's more used to that role we're going putting a, a lad that's not used to playing centre back in on TJ Reid and people are saying ah, TJ Reid's gone back a bit the whole lot and that's what makes Kilkenny so hard to beat as well uh, TJ Reid right whether you think he's going well he's gone back a bit whatever whether he's going to play well or not on Sunday he's going to Ping his freeze. He's not going to miss any free. He's going to, like uh, your man there from Alabama said, he's going to do his job. That every time the man has went out year after year when Brian Cody play him and he does his job. Uh, he mightn't be the star player every day, but he'll catch one or two balls. He'll lay him off. He doesn't mind if he doesn't get one three from play as long as he set him up. So uh, it's just interesting that um, TJ Reid, you could argue one of the best players that has ever played, is going Mac and a lad that had maybe his second time ever playing centre-back for his county. It's just, so it's going to be a very interesting matchup. Um, am I saying William McDonough is, is a rookie and not able for this? Absolutely not. And he's got two fair boys at either side and he's got a lot more practice. And um, if Declan Hannon's out, they've obviously done way more training. He's played there for matches the whole lot. He's well able to adapt. He's got a hurling brain, but it's just an interesting matchup. Just to keep the doom and gloom on the team front going, Jim Bob, look, very unfortunate that Richie English has has picked up a, um, a knock ahead of this. I think a, a serious enough injury hasn't been fully confirmed from the Limerick camp, but um, we have been hearing that, that Richie English is likely to miss out. When you look at a full back line that's already missing Sean Finn, if someone, God forbid, went down in that full back line, you are threadbare at the moment. I know you've Aaron Costello there, but hasn't played many minutes, probably hasn't played any minutes really all season. So that could be an issue if if that was to happen. Yeah, look, and, and it's no, I hope, um, it's no insult to Aaron Costello or Ronan Connolly or um, Mark Quinlan could be there and um, the... There's, there's a few there. Um, O'Connor, O'Connor, Fergal O'Connor from um, Effin. There, there's a load of options there. But what you mean with all due respect is playing in the final without any month's championship or Lynch. So it, it's it's a massive task. It's nearly too big an order. You nearly um, would feel for him to have to come on out of nowhere. But uh, look, um, Richie, what can I say? The, what, what I can say about Richie is it's an amazing thing. Um, sport will always end in a in a... I suppose negatively for no matter how successful you are so if you look at Henry Shefflin uh, probably the most decorated probably had the best career in terms of um, inclined that the, the bar kept going up he'd very few setbacks but still had to um, was injured for an All-Ireland final got himself right started and then had to go off after 10 minutes um, look sport will always end up you'll finish your career um, not everyone as I say what 1-2% ever end up winning um, their last year you automatically get too old anyway and too slow if you eventually stay want to play and more often than not people get injured in their career so if you look at sport 
um, and you think you're gonna it's gonna be all sunshine and rainbows and everything's gonna be great and jolly. Um, even for kids playing the game, like look how hard kids find it. <laughs> I was probably the, I should be the king of this of um, not being able to be a sore loser and, and learning how to to lose and that's a skill in itself. So um, look, sport can be very cruel and unfortunately, and the reason I'm, I'm comparing this to Richie, Richie English is inside now in a winning team going for five All-Irelands in four years, uh, f- four in a row, um, five Munsters, things couldn't be better and there's still disappointment within sport, within the squad. So look, uh, your heart goes out to Richie and, and of course, in fairness, you have to say your heart goes out to Dune as well. Dune have been maybe one of the the unfortunate products of Limerick's success in in terms of their, their a lot of their county players have come back injured and, and look that's just look at the draw it isn't as if it's been done on purpose or anything but um, Dune didn't have to go into a senior championship campaign without without uh, their stars in the back without the county player so it has a knock on effect but, effect but look where. Uh, the one thing I do know about being injured as well within a squad there like that and, and look Sean Finn's in Sembo whatever is it's the most lonely place you could ever be in when you're injured um, it's not like anybody does on purpose but you're forgotten about because the thing has to move on and they can't worry about Richie uh, they have to worry about an All-Ireland final so you have to be pushed aside a bit and this is just the nature of sport whether there's coaches here listening over an under 14 15, 16 team you're getting ready for a county final you try and make them be part of it as best they can Keen Lynch went up and lifted the cup up with Declan Hannon but I guarantee you Keane and feel like he will this year if he's on the field playing because that's just the nature of sport but you it, it's a very tough thing and it comes down to management as well and how it's managed but the team has to move on and focus on that and unfortunately Richie has to kind of go do his own thing and that's just the nature of injury so look unfortunate but it's just the, the, the sad side of sport look yeah, it really is. And uh, we're wishing Richie all the very best in, in his recovery. To the, to the positive side now, Jim Bob, because we're, we're doom and gloom for, for too long. Uh, Aaron Galan playing lights out at the moment. An absolutely outstanding Munster final and outstanding All-Ireland semi-final as well. Any full back line in the, in the country are fearing Aaron Galan at the moment. Seamus Flanagan as well with the, with the legs and, and Peter Casey then dropping deep and, Add into the fact that Garod Hegarty, we probably haven't seen a vintage performance from him, although he is he is definitely playing himself back into form. He's two All-Ireland uh, man of the matches uh, to, to boast about. Kean Lynch as well, we'll be expecting him to, to, I suppose, up it another bit as well. So, look, there are players hitting form at the right time here, and Limerick's forwards in particular are, are a scary prospect for Kilkenny. Yeah, and, and you said Garod Hegarty there and many others. Uh, we've, we've big players for the big day. I think they thrive in the big day. Um, so that's what what makes it. And the other thing as well is, like, there's always maybe three sides to the story. Like, and like Michael Welch said there, um, did Galway maybe underperform in, in the second half? And the whole country nearly wants to believe that narrative. But I suppose we can put a positive spin on it. And, and there definitely was a bit of this. Did Limerick kind of kick into proper gear again in the second half against Galway and, and what I mean by that is have I evidence to back it up their shot passing seemed to become way more slicker the the um the moving off the ball, the the puck out seemed to work. They were winning a lot more breaking ball. Uh, yes Galway kinda made it easier but uh um definitely Limerick hit another gear in the second half. Um now, I suppose the most disappointing thing, and, and there's no getting away from this, is that uh, Galway didn't have a plan B. Um, like, we always compliment Limerick. Again, Limerick went in at half-time, restructured the whole thing, came out with a plan B, adapted to what was working, what wasn't working. I think that's a talent in itself um, that it's very rare we've ever seen a professional or an amateur team do that consistently. 
actually just before you go on you did actually say that the podcast leading up to the Galway game you said the winning in the game could be Limerick's ability to to think as they go and to change the game plan in mid-flow and I suppose that that came up drums yeah but like and, and they do that all the time like you know it's not a hard thing to see but what I couldn't get over was like there's no way if you set John Kiley Paul Canark and, and the selectors Donald Grady and whoever else down there's no way they would have said look at half time now we're just going to bring out our half forward line we're going to bring our full back line out a bit to let him concede the puck out we're going to stay tight at back and to see Galway completely fold at the puck out because what they've done was just simple uh, formations for inter-county club teams do it they bring their half forward line out into the middle of the field to try and crowd, crowd it a bit but um, just Galway had no interest in, in going short and, and people would say oh if they went short the, the Limerick team would only uh, kind of uh, move up and uh, push up and, and do what uh, Kilkenny done to Clare and, and intercept the ball or whatever but at least they would have held on to the ball a bit because they couldn't get their hands in the ball but, but anyway the point I'm trying to make is that Limerick in the second half and I suppose throughout a lot of the games all year um the, the reason why we're saying Limerick are probably not going as well this year as they have in other years. One is they excelled. Um, I think they were so far ahead of teams tactically and uh, maybe strength and condition and the whole. And teams have caught up a bit in a year. To how how much can you catch up in a year on strength and condition? I don't know, but they have caught up in in certain aspects of the of the game. But what Limerick have done is they've showed what they can do in periods, if not large. And and periods have got bigger and bigger. Like the Galway game the last day, they were good for large um, portions of the game and the other thing then as well is um, they're making like if you go back to the first and second round of the Munster Championship it wasn't even the fact that right they weren't motoring as good with it but they weren't playing terrible but some of their unforced errors were so out of character and it was nearly lapse of concentration and as the year has gone on and as the games are getting bigger um, I think they're just getting better and better and look uh, again to go into the whole psychology I can only guess at this whatever right but uh, like we played Kilkenny in 2013 like uh, sorry 2014 in the in the storm whatever like Kilkenny were not psychologically there that day like that's why we should have beaten them that's why it probably hurts so much because it's very hard to have that hunger all the time so now you're looking at Sunday where they, you're putting the Lee McCarthy in front of them and again trying to create history it brings a whole different mindset and of course the hunger is going to be back you're in the All-Ireland final so the hardest thing for Limerick all year was to get to where they are and and again they're after achieving that so um, it just makes it very interesting and that's why I think they'd have, they'd have beaten Clare I think they'd have beaten Clare um, a little bit easier No, I think Clare are a good team the whole lot but um, I think we, we, we're constantly underestimating Kilkenny and how good they are and I think Owen Cody said it in his interview and I have to kind of agree with him that nobody kind of everyone was saying oh it's going to be a limerick Clare final but why wouldn't it not be Kilkenny given what they've won and who in Munster have beaten them only Limerick Yeah and I think uh, you said that you mentioned that as well in, in the, the last pod Jim Bob that you did fancy Kilkenny to get over the line against Clare and it's I suppose at that stage of the competition it's about knowing how to get your nose in front and, and keep it there and Clare have probably fallen short on that the last uh, number of years. Just looking at the benches on both sides, um, Jim Bob, obviously you've the likes of Cahill O'Neill to come off the bench for, for Limerick. You've Adam English in there as well. Unfortunately, Richie English won't be able to be called upon if, if uh, there are issues uh, in that full back line. But I think the bench really stood up for, for Kilkenny against uh, Clare last time out. And you'd probably slightly give them the edge uh, bench-wise. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's kind of, uh, if, if you take a step back and kind of analyse the whole lot, we're kind of nearly laughing at what you're saying because we have Carl O'Neill, um, a young buck, out there. He'll run, sprint, do everything. Adam English will come on and show his youth and inexperience in a class way and you're kind of saying these are the future and, and unbelievable to have them. But as I said, they're nearly like... Uh, Little Leverett's going around the field full of energy in the whole lot. And then, as you say, Kilkenny brought on Killian Buckley. I don't know what age he is, but he's in his 30s. They're going to bring on Parig. They brought on Parig Welch the last. They got a great, great point. Uh, uh, they were going to bring on Walter Welch and Richie Hogan. All these lads, well in their 30s, whatever they are. But look at the experience. They're on the way out coming on and the boys are on the way in. So uh, it's just very interesting. But yeah, look at the question you're asking. And obviously, they, obviously um, Kilkenny have uh, Keen Kinney and... Um, like Billy Drennan is a very interesting one. I wanted to ask Michael Welch a while ago about him. He he was playing all the league. The like Michael Welch was on about they always had a star player coming in. The the DJs, the Shefflins, he did his own father, the the Hendersons back there. Like Billy Drennan is looking like what we saw in the league and the whole lot gonna be their their new star men, but it's guess it just takes time to get on that Kilkenny team and be the player you want. And they saw something this year that they obviously weren't happy with. But um, yeah, look, when the game goes down into the melting pot and, and Michael Welch, who obviously does a lot of commentary and has watched the Kilkenny team and goes to all their matches and knows the lads, um, he said that they've probably strengthened up their bench this year. And sometimes it can be easy. Like It's easy for John Kyle to strengthen up his bench because uh, you're bringing in some of the best players coming from the underage and they can't make the team. So this has gone on. Like we've had relatively, and Kilkenny are nearly the same over here, we have relatively nearly the same 12, 13 players consistently and this is including the injuries we have. We still have the backbone of 10, 11 players. So then if you're a new player coming in from the under 20s or 21s, you're only, you're, your job is to try and make the 26, not the team. Whereas when I was playing, if you came from the under 21s, you knew you had a good chance of kind of maybe slipping onto the team if you started performing and stuff. But um, yeah, look, uh, we have, we, I think both benches have made massive impacts in, in, in big games. So, um, but look, you can say the same about Kerry and Dublin, the football, the four teams they're in the All-Ireland. Um, it, it's been said it's the most media line of all time now. You need a panel of players to win a game, but it's so true. Um the, the, I suppose the most interesting thing is when are these subs going to come on and we, we said it before um, like Martin Keown there that they do seem to take him off after 40-50 minutes um, and uh, it's going to be interesting uh, Walter Welch has been going exceptionally well last year and we thought he was going to start and he didn't probably not reaching the same heights this year but when he comes on strength, power always gets a point or two so uh, look if the game is in the melting pot Kilkenny are definitely bringing on more experience probably more um, camera heads maybe uh, is, is maybe the best way whereas we're bringing on Colin O'Neill and maybe this is the a good thing in a way you're bringing on Colin O'Neill let him English They're, the game could be in the melting pot but maybe it's youth and inexperience which you want to see nearly at times if the game's too tense where it's going to take shots and hopefully to go over the bar whereas Kilkenny are bringing on a more relaxed approach uh, like Richie Hogan I suppose a lot of people probably wouldn't notice like Richie Hogan obviously has, is injured and that's why he, and they kind of they don't play him all the time though, but I think it's his back that's the problem but Richie Hogan would be consistently on this team or coming on the whole time but they seem to in two years now in a row they seem to have wheeled him out out of nowhere for the semi-final get a bit of game time into him and then get him ready for the final and and the other thing like you have to mention as well um, I'm sure like a lot of these county teams bring numerous years of motivation and all that I know I'm going back a bit like but 
Richie Hogan, as an example of this Kilkenny team, like uh, would feel that that red card maybe cost Kilkenny to stay in the game or be a lot close to Tipperary. And like, like Derek Ling doesn't have much to go into this. Like going into this Kilkenny dressing room, like imagine going into the intercounty and Kilkenny said, "Lads, we haven't won in All Ireland since 2015." That's enough for him. They get motivated on the smallest thing. I actually got a shock when I heard that after the Ireland semi final. Then when I thought about it, I was like. God, is it that long? Because you'd never associate them. That's a drought in Kilkenny. We were waiting 40 odd years. Like, since 2015 is a, is a long time. So, they, they will have hunger, but I just think the fact that Limerick are back in the All-Ireland final going for four in a row, there's no um, no team with more hunger. That They both have the same. Before we go, Jim, Bob, and I ask you this in every podcast, and uh, you always put our mind at ease, where will this game be won for Limerick? Because, as you say, you're, you're backing them to get over the line and do the four in a row. Yeah, um, I I actually think it's going to be one in our in our half hard line. Um, I'm I'm nearly just maybe sticking to what we know. Um, I think uh, David Reedy, if he's starting centre forward, if King goes out to the middle of the field, I think David Reedy is a player on song. Um, I think he he's there on merit. I think he's he was meant to be like we weren't even mentioned David Reedy's name the first three four three rounds four rounds of the Munster Championship. I think he was only barely coming on with ten minutes and suddenly he became a starter himself and Graham started and uh, he's been on ever since. Uh, he he basically set up Aaron Glenn's goal the last the, the ball across. So Aaron Glenn's going or sorry um, David Reedy's going quite well. Um, Tom Morrissey is going to get his four three four points in play if. If uh, Paddy Deegan or Blanchfield give him any bit of room at all. Now there's question marks over Blanchfield. We don't know where he's playing or not and who's going to go in instead of him. Will Conor Fogarty go back and bring in a midfielder? We don't know. Could Parik Welch just slip in there? But um, And then you've Groot Higarty who's uh, who's kind of scratching at the surface of breaking out into an unbelievable man-of-the-match performance there. So I think um, the reason I'm saying our half-forward line um, I think Kilkenny's forwards will battle away. We're missing two of our backs. It's going to be an interesting battle there. The middle of the field, Adrian Mullen, Conor Fogarty might spoil up the play. I've already mentioned you Lawler can maybe tie up Aaron Glenn, which is a bit of a worry. Um, Tommy Welch will have it all to do to curtail Seamus Flanagan. Um, probably hasn't been as consistent as he has other years, not saying he was bad. But I think Blanchfield, Reid and Deegan, um, they're competitive and stuff, but I just think our half-forward line... I think this is the game where uh, if Kilkenny play a little bit defensive and all at our half-hard line come out, I think they, they could get their their freak on. Is that a, a line we use in, in Hurland? I think they could get their 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 um their farm going, all three of them, and I think we could get a lot of joy there in that area. OK, well, let's hope that it all goes our way on Sunday. Let's hope it goes the way of the Limerick ladies footballers as well on Saturday because they're in All-Ireland semi-final action against Fermanagh. The very best of luck to Graham Shine's side and the very best of luck to John Coyley's men then on Sunday we're hoping for a Limerick double that's it from the Sideline Cut podcast sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick my thanks to my co-host James Ryan thanks to all the listeners for tuning in as well and uh, if you're heading up to the game safe journey if you're watching it from home or listening tuning in to Live 95 we hope you enjoy that as well let's hope that we're back next week with a look back on a famous four in a row for Limerick fingers crossed we'll talk to you then the Sideline Cut Podcast, sponsored by Solar Choices of Limerick, making the energy requirements for your home, business or farm more affordable. Visit solarchoices.ie.